Hey friends and foes, welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott and today I am answering your questions. It's a rainy day here in Seattle and I have gotten many questions about art making and art business and art theory and practice that I just had to sit down and record an answer to all of them. So let's just get into it. Our first question comes from Twitch and this question is about bodies of work. Part one of the question is, how do you settle on a body of work? I'm assuming when you are asking this question, it's because you don't know how to put together a body of work for a reason, right? You're not just making it to have a collection. You're making it because you want to show it somewhere. A good body of work has a consistent theme throughout it or consistent colors throughout it. Let's say you make acrylic still lives. Just that category of acrylic paintings and their still lives is enough to have a body of work. Maybe you use really similar colors throughout all the paintings. Maybe the subject of the painting, your still life here, it's like a cup and a banana. Maybe you do that painting over and over again. That would be a body of work. A body of work usually has more than five pieces to it. It can span the length of many years of creation. I have five categories of artwork, I guess, themes, motifs, and I call them collections of artwork that I have in my my own abstract practice. They are the gradient series, where there is only gradients between one color and the next in the painting. I have my broken symmetry series, which is when I draw a perfectly symmetrical image, and then I break it with the color and create something, a new kind of image that way. I have the golden thread series, where I use gold leaf and I zigzag it throughout the painting. There are there are many different ways to have a collection, but the, the real thing to look at when you're trying to figure out, okay, which of my paintings or drawings or whatever fits into a collection is what is the common theme? Is there a common material? Is there something that ties all of these together? You can get pretty creative in how you categorize things, but the real the real idea is that when someone sees one piece from this collection that you've now made, it should be really recognizable as, oh, that one, that's from Stephanie's Gradient series, right? So it's identifiable, and that's what makes a good collection. I would say that when you're starting out, and say you maybe get your first coffee shop show, and you don't know what pieces to put together, if I were you, I would find a space that's big enough for you to put all of your pictures on the floor together. And I would Take all your best pieces of whichever category or whatever collection or body of work that they're a part of and just see what they look like together. Kind of arrange them, put one piece together with another one. And if you notice that one picture, even if it's like your best picture, seems very, very different than everything else, take it out. See what the collection looks like without it. Sometimes you can edit your, your collection. Taking out some of the best pieces can actually make the whole collection stronger just because it matches and it flows together in the theme, in a narrative, in a material sense. You work with it that way. Question number two is kind of a longer question. So let me read this out for you. This is from someone also on Twitch. They said, hey, so it's awesome that you asked for questions because I do have a question. I used to paint in high school for art class and I loved it, but I straight up haven't touched paint since then. Now, at the right old age of 36, I've recently become inspired to start painting again. I have a few hurdles, though. Being a 36-year-old father 
who's returning to school for the first time since 2009. I have my daughter four to five days a week. I have classes approaching quickly. I have a personal life and I have chronic pain. Basically, I just found another streamer who paints strictly birds and nothing else. And I felt inspired as hell to do the same thing, to just pick a category and stick with it. So I ordered some canvas and some wood panels and some oil and acrylic paints. My plan is just to spend the next two to three months painting a bunch of insects, fish, dogs, fungi, etc. And just deciding which one clicks with me the most. So my question to you is, I obviously have limited time and physical limited physical ability. Do you have any exercises or practice methods so I use my time wisely? I fear I only have two to three hours a week to create, but only to cause myself wrist pain and have to go to class and pick up my daughter and etc. I might end up spinning my tires in the mud and losing my momentum and losing inspiration if I don't use my time wisely. So I, I love this question. It's great. And I, I'm going to break this question down into what I th- Think of as the essential questions, which is, how do you approach getting back into regular art making? What exercises are good for not burning out and losing motivation? And how do you use your time wisely without overusing your body? Those are, those are the essential questions I'm hearing from this question. And here is my answer. Picking a category and sticking to it is a really great way to stay focused. I love that you want to try a bunch of different materials. You want to try acrylics and you want to try oils. You want to try pastels. You want to try fungus and you want to draw dogs and whatever animal you, you have in front of you, a bird or something else. Here is my advice to keep you from burning out and spinning your wheels. You're going to make yourself a little plan. Okay, so first off, in order to have a really stable creative practice, you need to give it a routine to sit on. First, you're going to calendar out creative sessions. Maybe it's 30 minutes one day. Maybe it's 10 minutes another day. Maybe it's an hour on the weekends. You're going to do whatever works for you in any given week. And you said you had a daughter, so maybe your daughter wants to make art with you. I think that would be super fun. So you're going to schedule this out one to two weeks at a time. Maybe it's like Mondays we do the half hour. Maybe on Wednesdays we do an hour. Whatever it is, pick what's realistic. I would keep your art making time more than 30 minutes, but not more than four hours. If you do more than four hours at a single time, you're going to get burned out. Even if you feel like you have the motivation within the session, keep it, keep it a little bit shorter than that. Okay. So next, after you got your schedule done, you're going to make yourself a list. This is going to be a subjects list. This is going to be the birds, the dogs, the fungi, etc. I want you to be as specific as your ideas allow. Maybe it's like, We do the red-capped mushrooms this day, and then we do the shiitake mushrooms this other day, and then we do, you know, the chickadees one day, and then we do crows another, and then maybe it's like a dog that's running around, and maybe it's a dog that's laying down, and maybe it's this kind of dog or that one. Be as specific as you like and make a giant list of all your ideas. The second list you're going to make is materials. You're going to make materials that are like your oil, your acrylic, your drawing, And honestly, I would spend lots of time doing drawing if I were you, especially if you're coming back into making art. This is going to help you build wrist and arm strength and give you a little bit of flexibility. The subject matter is not going to, it's not going to matter as much at the beginning. When you're re-entering the art world, you need to focus on the basics of making and the, the movements of making so that you can be successful with your ideas later on. 
the subjects that you have, are they going to be the vehicle for learning, not the product of making, at least at first, at least for the first couple of months. Okay, so now you're going to write a third list. <laughs> this list will be exercises for you to work on. I want you to go look up our exercises for beginners. Um, even if you feel like you aren't a beginner, the beginning exercises are going to be your kind of warm-ups. They're going to be really good. So look up our exercises for beginners. Maybe it's like making a drawing in all blue. Maybe it's making a color wheel, drawing without looking at the paper, um, painting only using three colors. Look up a bunch of exercises like that that are within the material categories that you have. So it's like we're making a color wheel with um, oil painting color wheel. Or maybe we're drawing from life, or maybe we're drawing from a still life, etc. You're only to make as long of a list as you can think of here. Okay, so after you've done that, you have your three lists. You've got the subjects list, the materials list, and the practice list. Each day that you have time to create, I want you to pick one thing from each of these three lists. This way, you are guaranteed to always have something to create. Even when you aren't feeling super creative in a day, you pick one thing from each of these lists and it's going to give you something good to do. You're not going to lose motivation. There's endless combinations. Um, for example, it might be like, we're going to do an oil painting of mushrooms and it's going to be in two colors. Or we're going to do a acrylic painting of birds and it's going to be monochrome, one color, right? Or it's going to be, we're going to do a... Uh, color wheel that is of frogs and it's going to be color pencils, you know? So you, you do all of these, you pick one from each list and you will always have something interesting to create. I hope this makes sense. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's fun to go back and look at the work you've made when you were a novice. It's fun to look back and look at the work you made when you are re-entering the art practice and I applaud you for wanting to and kind of wanting to create a plan. It's very cool. And I, I hope that you have fun with this. After a few months of doing this, you're going to be like, oh, I don't, I don't need these three lists anymore. I can just make, because I now have the practice and the familiarity with the tools again, I can just, you know, stick to my creative time and, and pick something. So it's going to be good. I think the most important thing for you to remember is that creativity is a skill. It's something that you can practice and improve on. And it's not some sort of divine thing that's going to hit you one day. Then you'll like suddenly be able to come back into art making. It's, it's a skill that if you practice and you get technically good at, you're going to make better art. You're going to be happier with your ideas and it's going to be more satisfying overall. So keep practicing. Okay, my third question that I have for you today is how do you come up with ideas for the podcast? This is from Instagram. And boy, oh boy, I have the greatest way to come up with ideas. Um, the first, I'm on episode 42, I think at this point, the first uh, 60 episodes I have ideas written out for. And I keep adding more to it as time goes on. But when I first came up with the idea to make the podcast, I was on an airplane, a really long one. It was like eight plus hours. And I just turned off all of my like Wi-Fi and everything. And I just sat down and thought, what were things that I really wanted to know about when I was starting as an artist? <laughs> when I had an idea for something and didn't know what to do and had to do a lot of research for it, these are the sort of things that I wanted to write my podcasts 
and then record them about. So I come up with my ideas based off of problems that I come up with in the art practice myself. So like one of them was, how do I make time for my art practice when I have a really big schedule? And how do I build confidence in my ideas? And why isn't Etsy working for me? And when do I upgrade things in my art business? And how do I price my artwork? These are just questions I've asked myself about art. And so I take each of these questions and once I've figured them out a little bit, I break them down into ideas and into segments. And then I put them here for your ears here on Brushwork. So that's how I come up with my ideas. I, I think, what is the problem that I could solve? Or I know how to solve. Or I'm looking to solve. And then that's that's how I come up with my podcast ideas. One of my friends asked me recently, this is question number four, is what makes an art tool worth keeping in your studio? Do you have any rules of thumb to get rid of things like excessive colors and brushes? Yeah. Okay, I do. I do. I have lots of art tools that I have used once or maybe twice and then they sit in my studio and they get dusty or I have a huge box of paint that is student grade and I don't really use it very often and you know it's nice and organized but does it need to go does it need to live in my studio or could it go somewhere else basically when I have excessive brushes when I have excessive paint or fun tools that I've used once in a fit of inspiration and I've you know spent money on these things they feel valuable to me but in reality, they are taking up space and not being used. I am of the opinion that all art materials should have purpose and should be used up. I want them to be, you know, banged up and I want them to be thoroughly loved and I want them to be used and useful and I want to be touching them at least once a month, if not every week, right? And so whenever a brush stops becoming useful, I usually recycle the wood part. I'll just dismantle it and toss away the bristles or if I have something that I'm no longer using I will give to another art person in my life who I know would would use it and I kind of make decisions on case-by-case basis I feel like this is not a very good answer but (laughs) I when I when I need to get rid of things when I need to get rid of objects in the studio because it's getting too crowded I think am I going to use this in an upcoming project as in within the next month. And if the answer is no, and I can't think of a reason that I would use it in a current, in the current state of my own artistic practice, I will donate it. I'll give it to a friend. I'll, I'll give it away. Just because I have it doesn't mean it's going to be used. And I don't like clutter. The cleaner my studio is, the more clear I could think. And that's really nice. I guess the only rule of thumb I have for things in the art studio is, is it useful? Am I using it? Have I used it in the last three to six months? If the answer is no, it can go away. (laughs) Now, sometimes I have things in my studios that were expensive, you know, more than $50. And if I haven't used that, and I still think, oh, I might use this in the future it's more likely that I'm going to want to keep it just because of the the money I've spent on it. It's It hinders me. But I do try my best to give away things that I, you know, even if they were expensive, giving them to someone who might use them is much better than having it live in my studio getting dusty. And I guess that's my only rule of thumb. Is it useful? Because this is a working space. 
Okay, one of my friends from Instagram asked, who is your art inspiration? Who are your favorite artists? I get asked this question a lot. So here is the flash fire favorite artists. And these are also people who are on my bookshelf. <laughs> I love Corot. I've loved the landscape paintings. Very inspiring. I love Mirandi. His bottles and still lives are so good and so incredibly abstract and perfect. And I am in love with them. I love Juliet Aristides. Her work is great. I think she's got a show right now. And she's got some really good books on art practice that you should check out. Um, I love William Cumming, who is a Washington artist who I've really, really loved in the past. He died in the last 10 years. Um, I love Frida Kahlo. She's beautiful. She's amazing. She does great work. Elaine de Kooning is a recent favorite of mine. Um, yeah. You'll notice that all my favorite artists are representational artists, not abstract. I think that's kind of interesting, but I I love all of them in individual ways. And every time I look at their work again, I'm like, yeah, I love art. It's so good. <laughs> Those are just some of my favorites lately. When I'm working on a personal piece, how do I decide on a color palette is question number six or seven at this point. I don't remember. So all of my personal paintings usually have a really strong emotive idea before I've even started. I'm working on a painting now that is about friendship bracelets. I loved making friendship bracelets for my friends when I was a wee lad. <laughs> I would do all sorts of chevron patterns and different uh, like twisted ones and all sorts of things. And I wanted to make a painting that had that feeling of making a gift for a friendship that was just really pure and really young and just full of like, I think my friend is going to like these colors together and maybe they'll wear this bracelet that I've made. It's very cute. So in this painting, I have lots of salmons. I've got lots of indigos and it's full of like the feminine joy of being, you know, 12 and spending lots of time learning the different patterns and things. And that's how I make my personal paintings. I love to make something that has a strong emotive state. Uh, sometimes I do personal paintings that are based on tarot cards. And so say for like the Ace of Cups shows up, I like to take a emotive symbol and sometimes it's a literal symbol of, you know, a silver chalice in the sky and translate it into color, right? So for that, it would be a nice silvery blue color, maybe some lilacs in there to get something that feels floaty and feels, you know, ethereal almost. That's how I pick my colors for my personal paintings, but also for my professional ones. But sometimes with the professional paintings, especially if it's a commission, um, someone will come to me with their own color palette. And I love that too. It makes my life easier. <laughs> and it's, it's very fun. So that's how I pick my colors. The last question I have today is very similar to the second question that I had, and I have a similar but slightly different answer to it. Let's, let me tell you the question. From, from a follower on Twitch, I have this question. Do you ever find yourself lost in what to do? Like one week you want to do a painting, another week you want to make something with wood. How do you stay grounded and know what you want to do? I find myself having trouble just picking one artistic, um, you know, avenue to, to commit to. So like the first question or like the second question that we had, um, I have 
really similar answers. I want you to start off with scheduling your creative time. All creativity needs a routine to sit on. It needs something to keep it stable. If you just are making art when you feel inspired, you're only encouraging this sort of distractive behavior, right? You, you have a lot of sparkly things. You have a lot of creative energy. This question comes from someone who has a creative fire that absolutely needs an outlet. And you can't just be making art all willy-nilly. <laughs> Whatever, you just feel like it because then you're not going to feel inspired and you're always going to be searching for the next shiny new thing to learn about because you can't focus in on one thing and commit to it. So what you're going to do, and for you, again, we're going to pick a couple days a week, at least 30 minutes, under three hours, and you're going to put them in your calendar. This is going to be creative time. But for you, I don't want you to pick, put in your calendar just creative time. Instead, I want you to get really specific. You said you liked painting. What kind of painting do you like to do? Are you doing watercolors? Are you doing acrylics? Are you doing oil paintings? On Let's say you do painting on Mondays. On Mondays, you're going to put down watercolor painting. Okay. And then like, say you have time on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays, you've got two hours to make. This is going to be your woodworking Wednesdays. And on Saturdays, you have maybe three hours. This is going to be, um, I'm making this up here. Maybe it's stained glass Saturdays. And on Saturdays, you spend two to three hours working only on stained glass art. Now, this is going to be, seem really fun and interesting. And I want you to plan these, these sessions out um, basically a week or two in advance. So you're always doing this. And you, you don't have to do it forever, but for a while. And you'll see where the turning point is in a minute here. But what I want you to do then is make yourself a list of all the things you want to do or improve on in each of those three categories, right? On your watercolors, are we making landscapes? Are we doing still lives? Are we doing portraits? What are we doing? And within that, what do you need to improve on? Make a list. Is it your edge work? Is it color blending? Is it um, color theory? Is it seeing with your eyes and what you're making at the same time and painting from life? Is it doing, there's so many things to work on. <laughs> For So you make a list, right? And that's your, your Monday watercolor list. And then on Tuesday, what kind of woodworking, or not Tuesday, on Wednesdays, what kind of woodworking are we doing, right? Are we doing animals? Are we making cups? Are we making uh, tools? Are we making spoons? Like what what is it we're making? And what things do you need to practice? Are we practicing sanding? Are we practicing edge work? Are we practicing pattern work? I don't do woodworking, but I'm making these up. <laughs> And the same thing goes for your stained glass, right? Are we working on making good designs? Are we making working on um, putting the two pieces together? Are we practicing for photographing your stained glass? What What is it we're working on? And you're going to make detailed lists, like extremely specific lists of what you're going to work on for each of these categories. Okay. The real trick to this is that you're going to do this for a couple of weeks. You're going to be like, okay, Mondays, we're working on landscape watercolors. Wednesdays, we're working on carving out a little mouse. Saturdays, we're making a bee stained glass window. It's great. The trick is, at some point, you're going to get to a Monday and you're going to be like, I want to make something, but it is not landscape watercolors. <laughs> you're like, I now want to do colored pencil pet portraits and I don't want to do watercolors today. The trick is you must do the landscape watercolors. You must do it. 
Do not get distracted. Do not pick up a color pencil. Do not do the pet. You must do what you said you were going to do at the beginning of the week and stick to the watercolor landscape painting or whatever it is that you've assigned to your calendar, right? What you're doing is you're focusing your brain and interrupting the pattern of it's okay to be distracted. By committing just to that 30 minutes of watercolor painting, you're going to, one, improve on that by quite a lot. And also you, you learn how it is to create when you don't really want to do that specific thing, which makes you better technically. It makes you more focused. It gets you like in the trenches of making that one thing. You become closer towards mastery, which is fun, which is very exciting. So after like five times of this interruption, when you're like, I don't really want to do this thing that I've put onto my calendar, but you've decided to do it successfully, right? You've decided to do it anyways. After you've had like five instances of that, then you can start to remove your creative calendar. You can remove the restrictions you put on yourself. This might take a couple of weeks. This might take a couple of months. But by doing this, this is how you focus. This is how you train your brain that, no, we're doing the thing I said I was going to do, which is commitment, right? And only then should you start adding in a day a week where you're like, this is the open box creative day. I get to do whichever I impulsively feel like on that day. And that day will start to get really exciting. You'll be like, I love this, like maybe it's Sundays. I love Sundays because I get to do whatever sparkly creative thing that I want to. I hope you like it. <laughs> That's my advice. I hope it works for you. Will you let me know how it turned out? And um, I hope you like the scheduling. That's it for today's day question and answer session. I hope that you've gotten some good advice from this, from these, uh, these great questions I've had from my listeners and also from people on Twitch and on Instagram. It's very fun to answer your questions. If you are interested in asking me something, uh, just comment on the, on the podcast here. Send me a DM. You can find me at stephaniescott.art over on Instagram. That's also my website. I'll catch you on the flip side. Make good choices, everyone, and see you next time. Goodbye.